Do you think you would have learned all of these habits if it wasn't for your brother? No, absolutely not. I would have gone out and bought a car first day after getting drafted. I would have gone out and tried to buy a big house and overspend on assets that depreciate like jewelry or watches Mm. or earrings or the flashy things, clothes, shoes, right? My brother didn't live like that. And because of that, his actions kept me from going down the wrong path. Thank you so much, Marcus, for coming and talking with me. Um, Just would love to hear a little bit about your day. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm actually in Houston, Texas right now uh, for work. I'm speaking tonight for the Associated Built and Contractors of Greater Houston, uh, which is interesting why I'm also here. The World Series is going on tonight. Philadelphia Bulls are playing the Houston, the Astros in Houston. So that game one is tonight. So it's kind of crazy that I'm here speaking for a client that actually the client, well, the contact for the client knew me back in my construction company days back in 2008. And that's how she got me to come and speak because she's been following my story and all that. And so now here I am. I used to be a member when I was in Baltimore. Now, of course, I'm a speaker, coach, consultant, podcast host. And she brought me in to talk to the greater Baltimore, the greater Houston ABC chapter this evening. And of course, like I said, the World Series is going on tonight here in Houston. That is incredible. Do you have plans to go to the game or are you just going to watch from a bar? I'm going to watch from afar from a, from a bar because like the problem is like, you know, I didn't realize it was going to be. And I heard tickets are astronomically stupid yeah. high. So I'm not <laughs> looking to spend like a thousand dollars for one that is watched on TV. I'm not that a baseball fan anyway. <laughs> OK, <laughs> I'm sure you're a football fan. I'm assuming. Of course, of course, of course, of course. OK, well, then can you tell us a little bit more about your story? So what was your journey before going to the NFL and how has your life transpired post NFL retirement? So I went to Howard University in Washington, D.C. I was a four-year star there. I was actually inducted to Howard's Athletic Hall of Fame about a month ago, which was awesome. Uh, I then was, thank you. I was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars and head coach Jack Del Rio. I played for six years in the National Football League for the Ravens, Jaguars, Bills, Titans. So I was coached by Jack Del Rio, Brian Billick, uh, uh, Mike Malarkey, Dick Jerron, and Jeff Fisher. Those mm-hmm. are my head coaches. So really had a great time in the NFL. It was uh, phenomenal. Lots of great friends, great memories. And then I got out of the NFL and I struggled immensely, uh, Chelsea, for about ooh, six months with alcohol, addiction, gambling, nightlife, because wow. unfortunately I hadn't found that next transition. I tell people all the time, if you don't transform your mindset before you transition your actual inner, your actual being it's going to be very hard to succeed. And that was my problem. So I hadn't transformed myself into a non-athlete. I was still somebody that was not an athlete, but my, my mindset and my transformation had not, had not put me into being not an athlete. So I always thought about myself still as an athlete and mm. can I get back in the NFL, so I can go to workout, I can go play, like all this stuff, right? And I knew I was done, but you, I had not convinced myself I was done. Finally, I put the bottle down after about six months, got into construction, built this massive organization. We became the largest African-American-owned subcontracting company in the city of Baltimore, state of Maryland, in site work. We were an ABC member, like I mentioned earlier, uh, all this stuff. But unfortunately, Chelsea, as the company grew, my ego grew right along with it. 
And as a result, okay. I made some really, really bad decisions. And then I ended up getting into a position where my ego got bigger than the good part of my soul. As a result, I made some bad decisions. I got, I over leveraged myself and I ended up in 2013 going bankrupt. Uh, I lost my home, my cars, lost everything that I owned wow. as a result of that. And it put me into a downward spiral. I moved to Raleigh with about $400 to my name, no credit cards, no savings, no nothing, just poof, pam, gone. And I had to start completely over from scratch. And I worked a couple of different jobs. I was fired from two jobs in the same week. I ended up getting a job as a custodian for $8.25 an hour. I had my rock bottom spoiled milk moment at that time as a custodian. That helped me change my life after somebody's trash, rotten meat, nasty protruding garbage, right? Just covered my body, my skin, and my clothes. That was my wake up call. And then I started to get myself back on track. I said, what I want to do with my life? I said, I'm a good communicator. I'm a good storyteller. I want to help people. Let's try speaking. Launched that in 2013, September. Got no paid speaking jobs for two and a half years. Finally got my first paid speaking job, uh, April, 2016. And that was a game changer. I learned about the business more, got a little bit more confident. The next year, got another couple more, a couple paid jobs. And I got coached finally in 2018. So in the last six and a half years, we've worked for 46 Fortune 500 companies as That's a speaker. Incredible. 46. And we've done you know, universities and, you know, and construction companies and non-for-profits and conferences and all these things. And we're a business coach now. We are a consultant. We have a podcast. We're in the top one and a half percent worldwide. Most listened to podcasts after only being out for four months. We hit that mark in two and a half months. And now here we are. We're just enjoying what we're doing, helping others. And, you know, that's that's our story. That is such a whirlwind of events. Like you went from being in the NFL top of the world and then you went bankrupt in 2013. And so with this podcast, we want to teach our listeners and help our listeners understand how to make wise personal finance choices. So I think we can definitely benefit and you're such an asset here because I'm sure you have gone through all the emotions and all the feelings of getting from rock bottom and now building your way up. So why don't you just take me back to when you first signed your NFL contract? Because you probably got a huge pay raise from then going from college into the NFL. So what was your mentality when you saw your future earnings potential? Well, first thing I did was I got with my brother mm -hmm. and I ended up putting myself to a budget because I didn't want to be like other athletes overspending. So mm -hmm. My after I made the team as a rookie, my pay was thirteen thousand dollars pre-tax per week with the Jaguars, and I would collect probably about around ten. About ten thousand was my net mm -hmm. after all taxes and all that. My budget, I so I was ten grand a week. I made about forty grand a month, and I was only spending roughly about. Mm, 
around maybe $3,000 a month in all my bills, rent, car, insurance, phone, all that stuff. So then that made me understand. And actually, I still have that budget somewhere in my garage because I remember doing a story for CNN Money. Mm-hmm. And I took a picture of that budget. And I sent it to them. And they put it in the article. Okay. So I'm very, I was always very conscious about money and I had never had any money. And then when I got to it, I had to like, you know, pay taxes, pay bills and budget. So that was a big adjustment for me, learning how to take care of myself and how to adult. Even though I had, I had a job that, you know, it was a kid's game and it's your love, you're making a lot of money mm-hmm. and it's a business. So you have to learn how to adult and save pay bills, create, you know, 401k, all these different things. And that's what I had to endure as a rookie when I made the team with the Jaguars. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it seems like you have a very good budget. You saved about 70% of what you took back. So that's a huge, huge amount compared to most people. (sighs) But then take (sighs) me to your different like habits. Did you think that you had a different lifestyle Did you overspend more than you thought you should have? Like, how did that huge pay increase affect the way that you were living? It didn't really affect it at all because my brother was was an NFL athlete prior to me. So I knew how to eat for free off the team and Mm. took advantage of a lot of the clothes and stuff off the team. Like, you know, I didn't really buy much. I bought a couple of suits to look good on the road. Uh, I wasn't listening to shoes, things of that nature. So I, we had, you know, I had, a, we were sponsored by Reebok, so I got a lot of free shoes and free gear and stuff like that. And so I was very efficient. Like, I didn't even get a new car. Like, I didn't even wow. buy a new car until after I made the team. So all of training camp, I used the same car I had in college, was a, which was an older Tahoe. It was beat up, but it was still gotten from A to B. And I didn't buy an Escalade until after I made the team. That was my gift to myself lived in an apartment. The next year after the t- I made the team, that next year, I bought a home. And actually, I sold that home, made about 50 grand on the, wow. on the sale. So again, my dad was in finance. My brother was a former NFL player, was an NFL player at that time for seven years before I got in. So I knew a lot about saving and budgeting and didn't change my life a lot. You know, I mean, I always ate you know, decent food. I mean, I, I was able to eat a better quality of food than I was in college because I could afford to buy stuff. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, I, but I didn't really spend a lot of time, you know, shopping, jewelry. You know, I wasn't big into that stuff. I was more of a simple guy. Like, you know, you know, I like movies. I like, you know, the simple things. I had a little nice little two-bedroom apartment that I moved into as a rookie. Then I bought a nice four-bedroom, three-bathroom house, you know, after my rookie year. But I didn't really do a lot of spending because I learned about that and I didn't want to make that issue an issue because my brother taught me about that before I got in the NFL. I see. I see. So you were pretty financially disciplined and you were like conscious about your spending habits because you had a family and your brother to help navigate you through the situation, correct? Correct. Because he was currently in the NFL going into his seventh year. And so with that... He had been around the game, seen guys go broke, seen guys overspend, yep. and he he made me very aware. Like he was a first round draft pick, and he and he got an apartment in his first season. Mm-hmm. He bought a house at the end of his first season. He didn't buy his second home until he got his second contract. So oh, wow. he was very smart about that. Yep. So 
we watching him made it very easy for me to not go broke because I was able to study his habits of what he was about and what he did. So you would say that having a mentor with personal finance is very important because do you it's think everything. You- do you think you would have learned all of these habits if it wasn't for your brother? No, absolutely not. I would have gone out and bought a car first yep. day after getting drafted. I would have gone out and tried to buy a big house and overspend on assets that depreciate like jewelry or watches mm. or earrings or the flashy things, clothes, shoes, right? My brother didn't live like that. And because of that, his actions kept me from going down the wrong path. I see. I see. So then take me to the time when you did go bankrupt in 2013. How did that shift look like? Like, I can't imagine going from $10,000 a week to completely having nothing. Well, you got to remember, I was in construction. So I built an eight figure business and I was Mm -hmm. making millions of dollars in my business. So I was making a lot of money and Mm -hmm. I ended up going bankrupt like a lot of people do around the world. I got overconfident in my my company's abilities. And I stopped focusing on people and I became more about money and fame and notoriety. And because of that, I made some really bad mistakes. I spent about $3 million of my money in 90 days unexpectedly to help rectify a job site issue. When I finished all the work, the developer and the contractor denied my change order because, Chelsea, I did not get a signed change where I was very impressionable. I was very naive and I trusted them on a handshake and I got taken advantage of. So I went bankrupt like any, not anybody, like a lot of people do, unfortunately, in our world. They, I got into business with the wrong people and that screwed me over. I see. So then you became bankrupt. So then what how did you change your lifestyle? Did you have to change your lifestyle? What happened after that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I went bankrupt, like we were broke. So like we were in a rental. I was with my wife and my stepdaughter at the time. And like we had to eat out of food pantries at times. And, you know, I remember her going to the grocery store and the credit card not not working. I remember, you know, trying to go places in budget. Like, who can I pay here? Robin Peter to pay Paul, this, this and this. It was absolute hell on earth. So for about I was telling people I was poor 2013. 14, 15, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. I became broke 2018-ish. 19, I got stable. 20 was stable. Started making some really good money, 21 going forward. But mm-hmm. for 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, I was completely broke. Like I was living paycheck to paycheck, no savings, sometimes up all hours of the night because I couldn't sleep because I couldn't know about where I was going to make money from. I didn't have a speaking business where I could go make potentially 2,500, five grand, 10 grand for the hour, 25 grand for the hour. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a coaching business where I could actually potentially sign somebody for $3,500, $5,500, $7,500. I didn't have a consulting brand where people were paying me $7,500 to work for six hours, one hour a month, right? I didn't have a podcast where I might want to spend 20 grand to sponsor us for a show. I didn't have any of that. I didn't have a brand. I didn't Mm -hmm. have a reputation. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any of those things. So I was basically living paycheck to paycheck, living on death's door and fears about on the edge of fear 
with nothing behind me, but just hard work and trying to go out there every day and sell coaching packages or, you know, pick up oddball work here as a birthday party clown or run a seven on seven can and make a few extra bucks, you know, selling hot dogs and sodas and all that, you know, chips and all that stuff. Been there, done that. I know exactly what it's like. And it's literally hell on earth. So take me to the moment in time when you realize that your life had to change because you were living paycheck by paycheck for about five years. That's a long time. And there are people out here that potentially get into the spiral of just living on paycheck by paycheck every single year until they go into retirement. So how did you get yourself out of that situation? I realized that if I don't start trying to put away money and build for wealth, if I get hurt or I get injured and I can't coach, then I'm screwed. Because at that time, speaking, 13 no pay jobs, 14 no pay jobs, 15 no pay jobs, one paid job in 16. I got about five or six in 17, 18 got better and so on. So for again, all the time I was, I was, I was, uh, was poor and had mm-hmm. no money, right? Literally, it was just trying to make money coaching football. That's what it was. There was no speaking. I get, I was speaking, but nobody was paying me anything. I didn't get paid till 16. That was only one job. 17 was like five jobs. The rest of that was just coaching, grinding, all that stuff. So what I realized is once I started making a little money at 18 and 19 got stable, that was, mm-hmm. as, I was, as, I was broke, not poor, right? I, that's how I equivocate. Poor, broke, stabilized, doing well, wealthy. So poor is the bottom. Yep. Broke for me, I kind of stabilized a little bit. And I said, if I want to create and go to the next level, I'm going to have to do something where if I get hurt, that I can still make money. If I got hurt coaching kids and could be out there with them on the field training, I'm not getting paid. Yeah. So right around 18, I realized to go from that regard. I see, I see. When you think about going from poor to broke, what steps did you tangibly take? Like how, what advice would you give someone? I would, I would tell people, find ways to create multiple streams of income Mm-hmm. And then start saving primarily the other source of income. That way you can start to build up reserves, different accounts, cash reserves, all that kind of stuff. And put money where you can't easily get a hold of. Even like today, we have you know money in a money market account, which I can't get my hands on. We have money that's in a savings account I can't get my hands on. We have money that's in a uh in a uh, in a um Life insurance, but I can't get my hands on. I have to. I have to call somebody. I have to get a check sent to me. I can't just go and get it like with a card. You know, we only have one bank account. We can actually get money out of that with a card. That's it. And I don't live on credit cards. I did that when I was when I was poor, right? And that was dumb because oh, I've got a twenty five. I got a two thousand two hundred fifty dollar credit card. I don't have anything on it. Oh, that's an asset. I can count that in the bag. Yeah. No, it's not an asset, dummy. <laughs> once you use it, Marcus, it becomes an expense plus interest. So today I use credit as a tool to build my credit. I'll spend like, even today with how I'm doing so well financially, yeah. I only have one credit card. No, I'm sorry, I have two. two one limit. Okay. I have two credit cards. One limit is $2,200. 
Wow. My other credit cards, max limit is $900. That's it. That's it. That's all I got. Why? Because I don't want to what? Get in the habit mm-hmm. of acquiring debt. Don't want to do it. So I'll spend something like 50 bucks on my car, pay it off. Or the other car. Oh, I lied. I have three credit cards. Excuse me. I have one credit card that's for $2,200. That's my high max. That's my max limit. Okay. Yep. That's my Merrick Bank card. I have another card that's $900. That's a max, a max limit. Then I have another car that's a $200 max limit, and it's a secured credit card. I use that okay. to rebuild my credit. Other than those three cars, a total of $3,300 limit between all three of my cards. Those are the only credit cards I have in my name to this day. That's it. So that could actually be pretty contentious because I have heard a lot of personal advice or personal finance advice telling you to have multiple credit cards with higher limits so that you have more to use. That's fine. But here's the thing. Have more to use, right? But more to use means what? More to pay back. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were like, if you're like making Joe Rogan money, you know, a t- $210 million contract for years with Spotify, you want to have a credit card for $100,000 or a half million dollar limit, that's fine. But look at that again. Joe Rogan is, if he's making $70 million a year, what's a half million dollars a year to him? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. So be responsible. Could I go higher now? Sure, I could. But why? I don't want to get in the habit of that, right? I have clients that do very well. But some of my, I've got some clients who are like three, four hundred thousand dollars in debt on credit cards. Wow. And they don't, and they don't have, I mean, they make money, they're making six figures, maybe multiple, I mean, at the most, like, you know, multiple six figures. Most aren't, most are six figures. And think about that. You're making six figures, but you're what, three to four hundred thousand dollars in debt, right? You're never going to catch up. Right. Mm-hmm. People I know that in the real estate business, they do that sometimes. They'll go, they'll have credit card for half million to million dollars, right? And then if a house doesn't sell, something happens, you don't make it, and you can't pay your 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 payments and you can't pay the card off, what happens? It kills your credit. It screws exactly. everything up. So again, I tell people all the time, credit is a tool, right? If you're making hundred million dollars a year, you have a half million dollar credit card, that's that's whatever. But if you're making $100,000 a year with half a million dollars of credit card availability, and you use that, then what happens? You're always in the cycle of catching up, of never getting ahead. No, I totally understand where you're coming from. And that's a great tip for our listeners. So with credit cards, that is a very difficult topic to navigate. Can you think of other things in your past that you thought were easy to navigate, but turned out to be extremely hard to navigate? Yeah, your time and how to allocate your time and your ability to learn education, who to, who to listen to. Because there's so many people out there that are the so-called experts. Yes. So trying to find out who to listen to and what to, that really does, that's a huge thing you know, going forward. How did you know who to go to? Or did you solely just go to your brother? No, I, I went to my brother. I also went to my father. They were both in finance. So my father and my brother were my, were, my, were my two. I see. So switching gears here, I would love to hear if you, do, if you don't agree with some commonly held personal finance advice or tips. So one 
common one that I personally don't abide by that I hear a lot of is to don't buy the latte, which means if you don't spend the $5 coffee every single day, that'll help build your savings, help build your wealth, and eventually help you get out of poverty. And the reason why I don't believe it is because I think that there are bigger expenses that you can cut out first before cutting your $5 coffee, which could be lower effort and won't take as much happiness out of you. So I was curious if you had any misconceptions or disbeliefs about some commonly held personal finance principles. I've already said the one I am like, you know, get a lot of credit cards, use them a lot, get into debt and all that. I think that is a lot of people do that. But then if you lose your job or if you don't, if if something comes up and your cash gets drained, right, Mm -hmm. then what happens? You're always playing catch up. You're always trying to catch up to the eight ball. So I don't believe that one is one people should be doing. But, you know, something that, you know, everybody uses. That's one that I don't I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Can you take me back to when you did get your eight dollars and twenty five cent job as a custodian? What made you get to that position and how did your life change because of that? I I was broke. And so I needed something to be able to get money in quickly. I was having a hard time finding a job and I took that just to pay the bills and it got me into a really good position, you know, and, you know, it's just, it was just wanted to survive, you know what I mean? Mm. You know, and that's how I was able to make payments and do certain things, little bills here and there, just so I could get by. And that's what that was really about. And it was just doing what I had to do to get where I needed to go. So then if you could bring any advice to the listeners about how to stay motivated during challenging times, what would you tell them? Great quote by Aristotle, in times of extreme darkness, focus on the light. And I believe Aristotle meant that we are the light. And if we can look within ourselves to get out of dark times or hard times or things of that nature, I feel we can actually get where we want to go and make our lives that much more impactful and that much more rich if we can just learn how to Mm. lean on ourselves. I love that. It's a great quote. So last question for you is if any of the listeners wanted to stay connected with you or keep in touch with you, how could they do that? They can go to our website, www.marcusmarquesogden.com and connect with us, you know, or shoot me an email, marcus at marcusogden.com. Reach out to us, connect with us. Love to speak with you and see if we can help you with anything you have going on in your everyday life. Awesome. Thank you so much, Marcus. Thanks for having me, Chelsea. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you. Thank you.